I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Snoopy Radio. In your area code. On the airwaves, on the plane, on the train, on the West Coast and the East Coast and the Midwest and the South, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram, Scoop underscore B, Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. And make sure that you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply visit ScoopyRadio.com. And the NBA trading deadline is soon approaching. And what better way than to talk to somebody who knows a thing or two about the salary cap we've got Eric Pincus, the capologist on the podcast. Eric, thank you so much for joining Scoopy Radio. Of course. Happy to do it. So I first became familiar with you uh, a couple months ago via uh, Twitter when everybody and their mom and their mama's mama was discussing Anthony Davis uh, potentially coming to the Los Angeles Lakers via a trade. Um, I guess my question for you is, um, is it as complex as people want to make it seem? Is it more Lakers fans want it more than Pelicans fans? What, what do you gauge from this? Well, I, I think we're seeing a play from Rich Paul, uh, obviously the agent of LeBron, the agent of Anthony Davis, and one of the more powerful agents in this league, trying to get his player to where he wants him to go. Uh, some speculate, and I think most speculate, that that means the Lakers and LeBron James. And I think they're right. And I think that's ultimately his end game. Uh, and so it really becomes a question now of what New Orleans wants. Not not the fans, you know, not maybe not even what Del Demps wants, right? It's ownership. It's Mickey Loomis, who is, is the top executive there. And then to a degree, Demps. What do they want to do in this situation? Do they want to wait till the summer? when other teams like the Boston Celtics uh, or other teams that at least will know the lottery, wait till after May, will know the lottery order, so we'll know exactly what those draft picks are. Uh, we'll have the final standings. We'll know if, if the Knicks are offering a pick. Are they offering the number one pick in Zion Williamson, or are the Knicks, say, fifth, or are they tenth? Because if they get Anthony Davis at the trade deadline, maybe they're better, right? You think they would be. So let's say that this information helps the Pelicans make a decision on exactly what they're doing. And right now, I think there's a limit to what they'll get, but they may get more from the Lakers now 
Uh, then maybe there's a team like the Raptors or someone who wants to uh, rent Anthony Davis for a year. Raptors are currently renting Kawhi Leonard. So maybe that's something acceptable to them to do. Objectively speaking, right now, what makes the most sense? I mean, what makes the most sense for the Pelicans is probably to wait simply because of, you know, the details I described, like you just, the, you just don't have all the offers. Specifically Boston, who they've been targeting and readying to get Anthony Davis for a long time. And, uh, they're, they're, because of the complication of the rules, they have Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was acquired to trade. They can't acquire two players, uh, with that designated player tag, uh, in trade. And so that, that means that both those players, Anthony Davis, uh, and, um, Kyrie Irving both signed extensions. They signed designated sure. extensions off of their rookie scale. So it's a limit. So once you bring them to the table, the Celtics, you, you have competition. The idea is, uh, competition should bring out the best result for the Pelicans, right? If, if the Lakers are bidding against themselves right now, maybe you get to the, the February, I'm sorry, the, the June, July, stretch and, and, and now you've got greater competition. However, you could also argue that the Lakers should make their best offer now, a better offer now to avoid any competition to, to get this thing done before Boston can come to the table. So you can argue that the Lakers offer today will, will be better uh, than it will be over the summer, especially if, if this fall is successful in scaring anything you want to take this approach scaring off the stuff. Uh, I told Danny Ainge won't scare easily, but if, if Rich Paul flat out says, and Anthony Davis says, we're not staying, so you can give up Jason Tatum all you want, you can give up all your picks, you can give up Jalen Brown, you can give up everything, but in a year's time, you're going to have nothing to show for it. And if Danny Ainge believes that, and if he walks away, well, now the Lakers may be the only one at the, at the table at all. And at that point, they can lowball. Now, you're not going to get them if you lowball too far. But the Pelicans can't afford to lose Anthony Davis anyway, right? If he walks for nothing, you've got to get something. So really interesting to see how this goes. It's very interesting, and I think it's uncharted territory, particularly uh, because Rich Paul is the friend of LeBron James, who also runs Clutch uh, and represents Anthony Davis, and then Contavious Colwell Pope uh, is also uh, under Clutch. Have you seen anything like this before? I mean, we've seen power agents in the past. It's, it's part of the game. We've seen players demand trades. We've seen, um, we've seen a lot. David Falls back in the, in the day he used to be the power guy. Uh, Shaq and his, the moves that went to get him in LA and, and everything that went down to clear up the space for the Lakers to get him. Uh, there's long history of, of agents fighting with teams to try to have the power and, and the NBA generally thought of as a, a player's league. I mean, if you go back far enough with Magic, you got a coach fired, right? Like, there, there's, these are, this is nothing new. What is a little bit different about this is that um, you can argue, and I don't know if, it, I think LeBron would deny it, but you can argue that functionally he's business partners with Rich Paul. It's less agent, client, and more these are, you know, in a sense, they're, they're, they're brothers in a sense. They, they go back to pre-NBA. They go back a really long way. And there's a kinship there and a camaraderie that is, I mean, there's nothing that I would say speak against it, right? But it's, mm-hmm. it's odd. It's an odd scenario where one is now an agent 
and he's representing not only LeBron, but he's representing Bledsoe, AD, KCP, and go down the list, and 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 Ben Simmons. And so there there there's a lot of potential conflict of interest here, and a lot of NBA folks, people in front offices, other agents, resent this level of power, where in a way there's some sort of collusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also no real way to prove any of it. There's no really, there's nothing that LeBron is doing. There's no, if they're smart, there's no record or document showing LeBron's involvement. But you can argue in the sense that LeBron, if he's business partners with Rich Paul, then in, in a sense, he's, LeBron is 80's agent in a way. Not, not really, but in a way. And that's what I think is, you, know, you, you say, have I seen this before? I think in, in that regard, Probably not. It's, it's different in this way. But I have seen agents with power, power agents doing their thing. It's not really different, but it is a little different because of that LeBron James personal tie to Rich Paul. Scoop the radio on the line with expert capologist Eric Pincus talking NBA, talking Lakers, talking LeBron. Was kind of um, talking to some of the listeners of the Scoopy Radio podcast and told them I was going to have you on. They were excited. And uh, this question was posed to me Did the Lakers actually make an official offer to the New Orleans Pelicans for Anthony Davis? Do you know? Uh, I mean, like an official offer is one of those things where how do you define an official offer? Does that mean that there's some sort of document that's being sent to the league? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, you talk, uh, te- teams talk, players, uh, rather uh, executives talk, and uh, it's not always as black and white as we'll give you this, 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 this. And you give us this, 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 it gets to a point where once you're there, but there's more like general conversations and general understanding. No, we're not willing to do this right now. Uh, but who do you, who do you like on a, on, on our roster? And it's like, well, you know, I, I like, uh, we like Lonzo. We think we could, that he, he would start, start next to, uh, to holiday. And, and maybe that's been established. Like, so like, all right, well, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll think about that. And, uh, Et cetera, et cetera. But you set some parameters, and I don't think there's, you know, there, there was some talk that the Lakers would huddle up on Monday or Tuesday, I think it was, mm-hmm. and they would they would come up with some offer, and then there's reports that Del Demps is answering his phone. There's also reports that he at times, you know, the stuff we just mentioned about Lonzo, uh, that he doesn't necessarily want to go there, but that uh, the Pelicans view him as, a, as an important piece. Well, where does that information come from? That's very interesting, and, and if it's gotten to a point where the Lakers and Pelicans are discussing and they've established that Lonzo is an important piece, that that sounds like progress to me. So uh, the reality is, is us in the media, we uh, and then to the extension to the fans, uh, who for the most part get that information either through the media or through uh, like the videos that we put out as media. Because sometimes it may not be what I write; it might be that. Uh, it's a post-game press conference, and you can actually see on TV or the internet. You can see Bruce Walton say his thing or whatever. So there's a limit to what's going to come up, and most of what we hear, we are you know, if you play a simple game of telephone when you're a kid, you see how messed up you know word of mouth goes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a grain of salt. You have to take everything with. You have to understand that we probably know uh somewhere in the neighborhood of ten percent of, of, of the reality. We just don't have the facts and it's rare when people are honest. I would say two, three years down the line, it's a lot easier to get closer to the truth, it's closer to the full story. Um but actually in this moment leading up to something like this, 
we're just going to get little bits and there's going to be a lot of different people who get a lot of different little bits and a lot of it, if an agent is telling you something, they might be telling you something that they want to color the, the market with. They want to shape the story. The teams want to shape the story. Players want to shape the story. In this case, LeBron is someone who's a powerful player, uh, AD, et cetera. So I always tell people not to believe things blindly. When you, you Even when someone says something outright, I mean, how many general managers have said, we're not training this person, or I'm not firing our coach, and then like a week later, they traded or fired the coach. It's just mm-hmm. People lie. This is a game of poker. This is not like uh, you know, blackjack or something where all the cards ultimately get turned up, right? In, in, in poker, sometimes you never know. And there's bluffs, and there's all kinds of lies. And it's, it's, to me, poker is a much more enjoyable game than the simple game of blackjack. I've always been a fan of Uno myself. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio talking to Eric Pinkins. Now, news came out yesterday that Anthony Davis was fined uh, $50,000 uh, because he violated, or rather his agent, Rich Paul, uh, violated, I believe, the collective bargaining agreement, which states you can't publicly uh, name what team you want to play for. Um, can you help me understand that a little bit? Why that's well, a you, thing? You, right. They, they, they have a rule. I think it's, um, I think it's actually recent in this last video that last set of rules that you, you, you can't demand a trade publicly. Obviously, you can communicate privately. Uh, but in this case, Rich Paul came out, um, completely on the record and was quoted. So, uh, the, the agent is, is the player by extension. And so, you just can't do that. Now, a, a player and an agent maybe talk to a team and they say, we want a player traded. and uh, Or it could come out where, I think it was Marquise Chris, it was something I saw the other day, I don't know who was the lyric, but right. he basically told the the Rockets saying, play me or trade me. Now, that's something that probably won't get him fined because, well, how do we know that that happened? Who, who mm-hmm. said it? Who said it to whom? And what do we have on record? We have a report. Reports are often rumor-based. With someone on record saying that, and even if the team said that they that that person requested a trade, the, the agent and the player can deny. So you need some level of um, you know this is a legal thing. The the, the league is just generally going to penalize someone on a baby. Uh, you treat it somewhat like a court of law. It's certainly not uh, a court of law, and it's certainly not that black and white. But you try to treat things that way. These are legal documents. These are contracts and you don't want to have disputes. And there are arbitration cases and all that that, that do come up. Uh, but that said, you can't request a trade, and the max penalty is 50000 It was appropriate that uh, he was fined that because the agent requested that trade on record. $50,000 to throwing Anthony Davis is, is not what $50,000 might be to you and me, but, uh, you know, again, I don't know your situation. Maybe you're still on female, and it's no big deal to you of course, of course. Now, when you look at the grand scheme of things, obviously the Los Angeles Lakers, say hypothetically they do get Anthony Davis. You see reports of uh, Kevin Durant discussing with Rick Buecher months ago uh, that he wants to make the most money possible. Um, the Lakers ideally would have enough cap space to sign another superstar. Do you take what he said to Rick Buecher as a smoke screen, or do you think these are realistic chances? Kevin Durant may look at winning and want to stay? Or do you even see him staying with the Warriors for another season, at least one plus one? I think it's important to understand that people say a lot of things. And 
again, these are not depositions. These are not uh, items where if you prove that they contradict themselves, that they're going to be charged with perjury. It's just not how it works. And he said some things about LeBron. He specifically criticized the media environment Mm -hmm. uh, around LeBron, calling it toxic, but he didn't call LeBron toxic. He didn't say that... You know, LeBron was a bad person. The two of them worked it out, and they hashed it out. Uh, the Lakers, if they trade for AD at this point, the most they could get to is about $30 million in cash space. That's mm-hmm. if you have a roster that is 100% just LeBron and just uh, Anthony Davis and everybody else is gone, you can get to $30 million. That is about $8 million short of what you would need, 8 or $9 million short of what you need for Kevin Durant. Uh, I don't... I don't know if where you know he could say at the time that money is the most important thing, and then come for less money. It's very possible. I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't think it would happen. Uh, I think it's closer for someone like Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, who their max is closer to thirty-three million. You could at least argue that well, thirty million is awfully close. So you know maybe there's a slight discount. Um, but that said, the Lakers have to get rid of everybody to get there, and I find that to be a little bit. Unrealistic. More more likely, they have about twenty million, and you're looking at getting a uh, a good player. You might be able to get a Tobias Harris for twenty million. You might be able to get. I mean, I don't know if they would go back to the they would need guards, but like a Julius Randle, maybe he's a twenty million. There are guys who you can get who maybe aren't the top stars in the league. Uh, there wouldn't be a third A player, but if you got a third player who's a, a really high B, that's that might be. Plenty. You've already got LeBron and Anthony Davis. So th- those are the kind of things they would need to figure out. If they waited, if the Lakers waited, if the Pelicans waited, uh, the Lakers could actually sign a player at the max, uh, get to that $32 million roughly to pay uh, those middle tier guys like uh, Kawhi, Clay, all that, uh, and then trade for Anthony Davis. But there's already tremendous public pressure on the Pelicans not to trade. Uh, 80 to the Lakers. Imagine if they got um, Kyrie Irving and then, uh, and then the Pelicans after that have to, you know, they choose to then trade AD to those three stars. I mean, man, people would freak out. I don't know if they would, they may not even do that just because of the public pressure. So this is, mm-hmm. these are the variables everybody's looking at. Um, the Lakers right now should be focused on getting AD and not obsessed with the third star. It should be Get AD, figure out what it costs, overpay if you have to, because otherwise they'll just wait and then Boston comes to the market. And then see what you have and see where you go from there. Look at the buyout market. Who else do you you flesh out the roster with? Make a run. And then when you get to the summer, you see what money you have. Obviously, you start planning immediately once you know right now, once the deal is done, if it's done. Uh, And then you go from there. And you talked about Kyrie Irving, and you talked about the, you know, the, the their max, the difference between uh, he and Clay Thompson. When you look at all the rumblings that are going on, me myself, I look at the, you know, the, the public thing with Kyrie and LeBron. I think it's just happenstance they were playing the air as men, but it became a Twitter thing. It became a, a, a an article thing. You as a writer, you as a capologist, do you see Kyrie in L.A. as a real thing? Uh, I mean, I know the Boston Celtics are pretty confident that it's just noise mm-hmm. and that he's staying. And 
Um, I know that Rick Buecher, who's a colleague of mine at Bleacher, said that it's a real possibility. And I know Rick knows people and talks to real people and he's a reporter. And uh, there were some other people who suggested as much. So I don't know. I know that we're talking about individuals. And none of these guys are kind of in a, a lose-lose situation, right? Like if you if Tyree stays with Boston and they add more pieces and, and they go and are the best team in the East, let's say they get to that point, or they at least have that potential if he stays. If he goes and joins LeBron and, say, Anthony Davis, is that a lose situation? No, he's got a chance to win in the West. So mm-hmm. uh, if you look at it that way, they're already going to get paid tons of money, more than they can pretty much spend in their lifetime if they're, if they're wise with it, as long as they're not foolish. And they're going to great markets in, in terms of basketball with a great chance to win. So then it becomes, what is it that they personally want to do? It, it becomes very subjective and it becomes beyond necessarily the logic of saying, oh, what you think, or what I think, or what a fan thinks, or what other teams think. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It matters what that individual person. So you look at someone like Kevin Durant. I don't think a lot of people really thought he would go to the Warriors, and yet he did. Uh, I know that the Thunder really believed he was going to stay. I don't think a lot of people had LeBron going to Miami when the time came. I know some did, but most didn't. Mm-hmm. Or that he would come back home and start going through the list. A lot of people had Paul George definitely leaving for Los Angeles, and yet he did. So ultimately, Kyrie could come. He's a different kind of guy. He's an individual. He's someone who kind of runs at his own pace, and he's not going to do what others prescribe for him to do. He's going to do what's right for him, which is as it should be. And so it's something at least the Lakers have to look at and see if it's possible and be financially in a position to make half. But that would be difficult. It depends on, on how Anthony Davis thinks result. Jimmy Butler, numbers have gone down points-wise. Assists have gone up uh, in his stat column. Do you like Jimmy in Philly? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a team that ultimately doesn't know how to finish uh, and doesn't know how to win games at the highest level uh, because they're too young, and it just comes with experience. And we saw this in the playoffs where a guy like Al Horford on the Celtics closed the out. And Al Horford... If you made a list of the most talented players on either team, probably would he'd certainly be on the list and he'd be pretty high on the list, but he wouldn't be as high as Jerome Beat or Ben Simmons uh, or some of the other pieces that were there. Uh, and yet he was the one, he would be adult in the room who just knew how to do it in those moments. And so Jimmy has that experience. Um, he, he's, he's a beast defensively because he's hyper-aggressive, uh, loves to play hard both ways uh, you know it's prone for bad decisions too at times and so it's you know the rest of his teammates so they're still vulnerable uh, but they need that kind of um, we're going to punch you in the mouth kind of attitude <laughs> that Jimmy has and I, I love Embiid I love Ben Simmons but they're still learning how to do this and Jimmy knows how to do it so I think that's a vital important piece he's a difficult personality he's um, you know we said Kyrie's a little different uh, Jimmy's that much more different He's definitely his own guy. Uh, and so, you know, if, if, if they've got the guy right there, re-signing him makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think it's ever going to be a, a, a calm, peaceful ride with Jimmy Butler. You're going to have a lot of ups and downs because he's an emotional dude and he's, he's going to 
he's going to speak his truth. He's not somebody who um, is political. And that can rankle, rankle a lot of people when someone says their truth, especially when it's you know, not delivered in the nicest way. That's just Jimmy, and I, I don't begrudge him that. At least he's honest. At least he's sharing that truth. Surely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like him. I like him in Philly, and I think that him in Philly um, is a carbon copy, yet a more mature copy of what went on with Minnesota. You, you have, I think you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid who accept him a little better. Number one, being an East Coast city where they're used to criticism, and also the situation where those guys can be a, a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference who take life more seriously. Yeah, I think that uh, they're better. They're better players. Uh, I, I like Carl Anthony Towns a ton. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is, is he's he's good. I mean, it's nothing. I mean, he, but he, he's a little bit like empty calories, uh, where he he gets some points when he's focused. Although even that can be inconsistent. When he's focused, he can score. I don't think he defends well. I don't think he passes well. Uh, I don't think he has a great motor, and so I, I just don't know if there's, I, I don't see enough passion there. Um, I don't see that, you know, that, that was some of the criticism of Ben Simmons in, in college, but I don't see that in the NBA. I see him, there, there are limitations, right? He can't shoot. He can't shoot, and he doesn't try to shoot, and there are many games where he has an open shot. I There, there, there was a game against uh, the, the one that they lost against the uh, the Thunder, right? Or Yeah, they lost that one to the Thunder, right? When Paul George hit that big shot and all that. Uh, but Ben Simmons had a, an open look and he passed it up and gave the ball to Jimmy who had a, a, a contested look. And so that's the problem. So that's that finding a player who doesn't have a flaw. Like, I, I like the the dominance that like, you know, Ben Simmons can dominate a game more than someone like Andrew Wiggins. And even if Wiggins is going off for 30 or 40, you know, if he's getting that high, I still think long-term, bigger picture, Ben Simmons has a, greater impact on the game. And indeed, indeed when when he's doing his thing, as much as I like Carl Anthony Towns and he's so skilled, I, I like it deep more. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying as far as similar situations, but there's also a higher level of talent, I think, with mm-hmm. these players. For sure. Eric Pink is on the line on Scoopy Radio talking NBA trade deadline and where everybody will end up. And one person who's had a remarkable story uh, during the first half of the season is Derek Rose. Have you heard any trade interest around the league uh, with D Rose? Uh, I mean, it's it's possible that team is sort of kind of in, in that middle ground where they're they're not out yet, uh, but they're probably not going to get to the playoffs. And if they get to the playoffs, they're going to get destroyed realistically. But there's always an advantage of getting there, even if even if you do get beat in four games. Uh, and I think they would like to see for. Uh, Saunders to get that chance to kind of show what he can do so they can evaluate him as a coach uh, because they have a lot of love for him, you know, based on his father and also based on who he is. Uh, you know, Flip Saunders is, is a legend in, in Minnesota, you know, the late Flip Saunders. And Ryan is a good dude. I don't know him that well. I've only met him once or twice. Uh, but there's a lot of belief in him and a lot of hope that he, but they need that time to evaluate him because he's the interim coach. And so a lot to figure out. At the same time, they, you know, they, they could be making trades. They could be looking to get out of someone like Derrick Rose and send them to a team that needs an all-star scoring, you know, all-star level. I don't know if he's an all-star this year, but he's been playing like one. And do they, is there a team that can use that kind of punch? Scoring punch, of course. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves rather play conservatively, 
hold on to pieces they should trade and try to make a playoff run and ultimately fail. So very curious to see. You know, they're, 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 they could be a seller. They, I don't think they're a buyer, uh, but they may end up just being a team that just tries to play out the strength. Simeon Rice alumni, fellow Simeon Rice alumni, Jabari Parker, uh, and the Chicago Bulls have not seen eye to eye. Um, where do you see him end up going uh, by the deadline? Uh, I'm not sure. He makes a lot. He makes about $20 million and he's a scorer who doesn't do anything else. He's had ups and downs this year. There's been some stretches where he's played well. I haven't heard anything concretely you know, where he might end up. Uh, I you don't get any rights with him. You do get to keep him another year if you want. And that's kind of the issue. So if you get him, you don't have his rights, but you can pay him because he's making 20 million roughly. So it's not hard to pay him a decent contract. Uh, but you're probably not going to opt him in. Uh, I don't know who opts him in at that price. You know, I, I just don't think there's a, a big market for Jabari Parker at 20 million. So. It's really, a, it's probably a guy you're renting for a minute, and I just don't know who really benefits from him. I don't know if he's good enough for a team like Derek Rose. You can make a better case for. Sure. I don't know if if Jabari is, is a guy who's going to help a team like you look at the Spurs, right? Like they could use another score. But does Jabari Parker help them where they need it the most? Which is that team needs to be good defensively. They have to be good. They can't win unless that's a good defensive team. So if you bring in the scoring of Jabari, you're also adding scoring on the other team. So, because yeah, you know, you know, he just doesn't play that side of the ball very well. So, uh, you could look at, I mean, teams like Sacramento, what's the point? You know, like, yeah, they have cap room, would he help them? But they've got a lot of, some, you know, big like players, you know, Bagley and whatnot, who maybe they don't have minutes for Giles. They don't have minutes for a lot of guys. So where does the Jabari? Help them. So, I'm not sure I, I have an answer there. I'd have to look really closely at it to see if there's anywhere, but there's no one who jumps out and says, oh, yeah, Jabari Parker's going to be the solution for them. So, Tinkers on the line, talking NBA. Do you think the Miami Heat uh, have any? I mean, obviously, Dwayne Wade retires at season's end. Uh, they were in Jimmy Butler talks earlier in the season. Where do you think they need help, and do you see them doing anything at the trade deadline? Well, a year or so back, they. They had cap room, and they 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 used a lot on like B minus E level players, you know, C plus E. James Johnson, who's solid and good. Uh, Kelly Olynyk, who you know, some analytics will show that he's really good, and he collectively they haven't been healthy, and know their their money isn't really well invested. Uh, Richardson's emerging, you know, his numbers are really solid, and he could be a star player, but I kind of feel like he's your third guy or second guy. Uh, it's still just a team that, that doesn't have an identity. I don't think Dragic is long for the team, but he's hurt. As you said, Wade is done uh, after this year. Uh, Tyler Johnson, the way overpaid. Uh, they're just kind of in limbo, uh, which is a bad place to be. They're not bad enough to be, you know, a top seed. And you can recommend that, you know, they dump off and become a seller to try to get a little bit worse. Uh, and see what they can do in the lottery. That's probably my recommendation. Uh, but at the same time, they're always a buyer. Like, Riley, Pat Riley has a thing, you know, where he doesn't want to tank. That's generally how he's approached things. That's sure. Uh, but they have some pieces to make a big deal, but I don't think they have, they don't have a lot of draft considerations. They don't have a lot of overwhelming pieces unless Richardson's the guy. And, uh, I think they would 
part with him for Butler, at least that's what I heard. Uh, and maybe that's because Butler wasn't committed long-term. Uh, hmm. Maybe, but I don't see how just getting one all-star like Jimmy Butler really makes a dent in, in Miami anyway. They're just, there's just not enough good enough talent. There's a lot of average players, but yeah, they can make a Wayne Ellington move to get him, you know, get something for him. I know the Lakers had some interest. Uh, you know, Waiters is available, but he's been hurt most of the year, so it's not a great situation. They're, they're just, like I said, they're kind of in limbo. Whose contract is more attractive, Zach Randolph or Contavious Caldwell-Pope? Oh, well, KCP, because he, he's a solid player. I mean, he's not an elite player, but He's good on the ball defensively. Uh, he chases guys like Steph Curry well around screens. And he's a streaky shooter, but a solid, you know, a decent shooter, not a, an elite shooter, but, he, you know, he can, he can spread the floor a little bit. Uh, you don't want to make a ton of decisions with the ball. Uh, he has a no-trade clause, not, not an official one, but, a, you know, by the one-year bird rule when he re-signed with the Lakers for one year, he had the ability to block a trade. But uh, Zach hasn't played all year. Uh, he's kind of past his prime, and uh, I'm fond of the guy, big fan of Ralph, uh, of Zach. He's someone I've known for a really long time, and, and I wish him well. Uh, I don't know that he brings anything. He's just, he's functionally just an expiring contract, whereas KCP is someone who could help a lot of teams, and, and, and I know that there's a market for him. I don't know if there's a great market. There's more of a market for KCP as a player than there is for Zach Randolph as just an expiring contract. Do you think that when the end of the season is here, Carmelo Anthony will be in the purple and gold playing for the Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, if the Lakers make a trade that opens up a roster spot, then yeah, I think that's inevitable. Uh, probably the end result is he gets bought out by Houston and then signs the Lakers. If they trade for Anthony Davis, uh, I would say the odds go up to near 100%. Uh, where is he? He's on the Bulls now? <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the Bulls, Bulls are He's a Chicago Bull, Right, so they'll they'll buy him out at some point. He, I don't know if, if may, maybe he'll be traded because he, he's a minimum contract, so it, it's harmless to trade for him. Okay. Uh, but maybe maybe uh, maybe the Lakers will prefer to to get him off, you know, off of a buyout. If he gets waived, he's not going to get claimed. It, it's not going to be an issue. So I, I would say it is a reasonably high chance. I just don't know if you look at the Lakers and say they don't make a trade. Who would they cut? I don't. I don't think they're cutting any of their young guys. Uh, Isaac Bunga and uh, Mo Wagner and Steve McIlick all have is uh, in their future if they're not traded in, in a bigger deal. And then all their young players that you know that you know, obviously they're not cutting Lonzo and, and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And then the veterans, each one of them has a place in their rotation. Lance Beasley, uh, Chandler, McGee, uh, Rondo. They're all important pieces of what they're trying to do. Luke Walton has a nice toolkit uh, of ways he can go when this team is fully healthy. Even Avita Zubats, who was kind of a non-factor early, has been uh, has, has kind of played himself into being uh, an asset for the Lakers, uh, be it as a player or as a trade piece. So, a lot to figure. Uh, but if a roster spot does open up via trade, uh, you can pretty much lock in that uh, Carmelo will end up the place. Eric Pickett on the line with Poopy Radio. A couple more questions. Um, we talked about, um, briefly talked about buying out, and the buyout season officially after the trading deadline and the All-Star game will be, will be among us. When you look at some guys on the roster, obviously Trevor Ariza going to Washington. You have Jamal Crawford, who's in Phoenix. 
I can tell you wanted to be in Philadelphia and things didn't go his way. When you look at guys like those two guys, do you see Ariza and Jamal Crawford going to other teams? And what other people do you see as potential uh, buyout candidates that can go to good teams? Well, you teams right now are going to say, oh, we're not going to buy out this guy because they're trying to trade him. Uh, so we've heard like Robin Lopez, the Bulls have no intention of buying him out. Uh, but once you get past the deadline, then it's a different story because at that point, you don't need to play him. And the player's going to leave his free agent. And if you could save a few bucks, you might as well. It's also, you know, courteous to do. And if you're not a, a playoff team, uh, cutting them before the deadline, they have to be, they have to be cut before March. Uh, it, it, it's the right thing to do. Now, if you're in the playoffs and you're, you're afraid that the team that you're competing against is going to take this guy, then maybe you wave them in March and make sure they're not playoff eligible. It's not really good form in the NBA. It's not going to make any agents really happy, but it, it is a, a technique that some teams use. But uh, I think at this point, the Wizards are still chasing a playoff spot uh, with Bradley Beal and no desire to dump Ariza. But if they really stall out in the next week or two, maybe Ariza becomes available. I, I've heard at this point he's not, and I don't expect him to be at this point. But, you know, a week, two things could change. Uh, if you get past that deadline and then they drop off, maybe he's a buyout candidate. I think Jamal Crawford is far more likely. They've got guys on, you know, like Dragon Bender. They're, they're guys who are at the end of their contracts who aren't going to be resigned. They're all targets for that. Uh, whereas someone like Jamal could help the playoff team. Uh, I think Robin Lopez is, is the most intriguing piece and he could end up on the Warriors. He could end up on. Uh, the Bucks with his brother, that'd be interesting. He could end up mm-hmm. on Blazers. He could end up on all kinds of teams. Uh, I don't think the Lakers, uh, unless, you know, they do have to trade uh, certain pieces, like big guys, you know, Zubats, and they end up trading yeah, McGee as well, which I don't think will happen, but you never know. Then maybe there's uh, some interest there. So, uh, we'll see. I'd have to look at the rest of the market to really see. I can come up with a list, but... Uh, Ohio market is, is that'll be the next topic once we get past that deadline on February 7th. J.R. Smith, do you see him as a buyout candidate or do you see a trade happening at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, he, he's owed a little bit of money for next year. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it not, most of it's not guaranteed, but some of it is. And so there's a chance that they hold on to him, but I think they're going to do everything they can to trade him. If he does get bought out, they could stretch out that money. And I don't think it's harmful. And if he does get bought out, and if he is, if the Lakers make an Anthony Davis trade and, and have a you know multiple roster spots to fill, I, I could easily see Jr. in Los Angeles playing with LeBron and Melo for sure. Huh. The Atlanta Hawks, Kent Bazemore, uh, as well as uh, Jeremy Lin, have been rumored uh, in various moves. Do you see them staying or going, or what teams do you think they fit, both monetarily and skill wise? Well, they, they both make a decent amount of money. And so, uh, it has, if there's a trade, it, it has to work where the, it makes sense. Uh, is there a team that can trade out $10 million? You have guys like Zach Randolph that make, or, or KCP that make trades like that viable, but in a lot of cases you don't. So, uh, Baysmore is a good, uh, defender, two, three. Uh, he's not a one, but he's played some backup one. He's a solid player and a good dude. I, I, I've talked to him from the brief time I covered him with the Lakers and kept in touch slightly with him when I to see him. Uh, Lynn, Lynn could really help the team. Uh, again, makes a little bit too much. So uh, 
it has to work mathematically, but I think you kind of have to look at what playoff teams really need uh, a backup point guard who can score. You say like, well, the Warriors probably don't. Uh, I don't see how they that would work, but you know, maybe the Rockets, if if Brandon Knight made sense somehow, maybe the Rockets could get some help there and go back to the well. That does, you know, obviously, Jeremy played there before. Uh, we can come up with some some possibilities. I have to look and you know, bang, run through the numbers and make a few phone calls and text. Sure, what's out there? Sure, and I looked at the Orlando Magic as a potential option. Uh, particularly because they need a backup point guard and because of Terrence Ross and because of Vucevic. Are they tanking? Are they staying? Are they going to be signed, Vuce? The Orlando Magic, it seems, wants to trade everybody. <laughs> it's hard to say because they still have relatively new management. And a lot of those pieces were there before the, they, the, the, the management got there. And so uh, Vucevic has had a tremendous season. Uh, sure. They have to decide, is he going to resign? And are they a playoff team? I think they're 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 just close enough today where it's not a hundred percent out that they don't make the playoffs. But it's getting kind of tight, and if they if they don't make a run in the next week or two, and, and at least show that that's a, a viable thing, then uh, maybe it's time to make that move. And, and Vucevic, you know, the challenge there is what team you know what team is going to trade for him and give up something really valuable when a lot of teams will have cap room this summer and can just try to sign him out, right? Uh, or if if you trade for him, are you sure he's committed to staying? Because if you give up a first for something really valuable and he leaves, then you've wasted that. So, uh, and, and there aren't a lot of teams that go chase big men anymore. There's not a lot of teams that want to build around big men anymore. Uh, the big man market has been absolutely overloaded and, and, Miserable to be honest, the last few years with the shifts in the NBA. But I do think Vucevic is, is a really good player and someone, if he could end up on a contender, I think he would definitely help. Surely. And Eric, I don't want to take up too much of your time before you go. I want to tell you that I really did enjoy uh, your piece that you wrote on January 25th at Bleach Report. Um, did the Lakers punt too soon on Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, and others? Hindsight is always twenty twenty. That must have been a lot of uh, sitting and thinking before you wrote that piece. <laughs> yeah, uh, my editors kind of wanted uh, a look at at the decisions they made, and I, I it, they're not just um, the articles and just like a knee jerk. Oh, Daniel Russell's playing really well. You made a mistake. I looked at the you know, could they have gotten LeBron the same way without making all the decisions they made? And the reality is that they didn't need two max spots this summer, uh, and so if they had just one, they could have got LeBron. Uh, the reality is we don't know. Maybe LeBron came because of that second max spot and, and an assumption that they'd get someone or they would get someone soon. And maybe all of those moves were necessary. And the reality is, is in the moment you make the best decisions you can as a team, as a general manager, as a whatever. And you live with the consequences. And so the Lakers have made moves that under Rob Plinka and Magic Johnson, uh, that some of you could, I, I thought they should have kept Julius Randle and, and tried to make that work short term. Uh, or long term, uh, they didn't. And, uh, I thought that D'Angelo Russell, they sold too soon on him. I said that at the time, but, but at the same time, I fully understood why they sold and traded him because of, uh, some of the personality issues, uh, that, that they had. They, they didn't believe in his maturity and so be it. But he's, he's killing it in Brooklyn. But I, I don't fault them for that. Um, they traded the Williams, et cetera. 
Uh, but I had to put some time and some thought into it, and I didn't want it to be just like a clip baby kind of thing. I wanted to, to give it some thought, give it some analysis, and, and kind of break down the numbers. Uh, trading Jordan Clarkson and, and Larry Nance was, I would, I, I argue it was the right call, uh, although I was fond of both those guys as well. So you just have to make the best choices you can. And, and in the end, if they end up with LeBron and Anthony Davis, no matter how you got there, you got there. And if you expect, it's like baseball. If you, if you fail 70% of the time at the plate as a batter, you're a 300 hitter, you're near Hall of Fame numbers, right? So it's not that different. You just, you just don't know. You're, you're making the best decisions you can about players who are too young, uh, to really know what they'll be. And I'm happy for D'Angelo. Um, he had a difficult time here in Los Angeles and, and he's really showing something really special and, and uh, it's just good timing because he's going to get paid this summer. Man, he's keeping the at the Barclays Center lit, man. Every night, it's exciting to watch him. Yes, sir. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for joining Scoopy Radio and I'll see you a couple weeks in Charlotte. Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Hi, brother. Talk to you soon. Scoopy Radio. Oh Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 